Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 13 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. It's an uncommon approach, sorry to say. We have an outdoorish episode planned for today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you. Your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we're an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Because, as I always like to say, you are an integral part of every episode. And you can always listen in on iTunes, on PennsylvaniaProject.com, or on your favorite podcast provider. Today, for the you part, we have a whole range of odd questions. One about the Council of Censors, not what you're thinking about, the minimum wage question, parole, and the infamous Second Amendment. After that, part two is all about them. Each episode, we'll host a ghost, a ghost, <laughs> a guest. He's not dead yet. <laughs> we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is more of a cultural one with an edge of the political. Jeff Zick, co-founder of the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. And after that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it's my turn. Your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on a particular issue that really sticks in my craw, pun intended, in the last episode, episode 12, as you may know, we hosted an attorney of all things, and that got me started. Oh, it got me started. So you know what sticks in my craw today? The quote-unquote justice system. And throughout the show, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to narrate our live commercials and whatever comes into our mailbag. And today, we have with us Rafiga Imanova from the Drexel University Toastmasters. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Rafiga. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. What do you, what do you like about Toastmasters? Uh, Toastmasters gives me more power to speak as an international student. Uh-huh. And it gets you on the radio, too. Yeah, it does. You, you're the, I guess, the fifth Drexel Toastmaster we've had on the show here. Anyway, welcome. So let's dig into our mailbag. And our mission here is not just to complain, but rather to explore solutions. So what do we have today, Rafiga? So, we have from uh, Mark Balvin from Philadelphia. He says that, I hear Ken wants to bring back an oversight comedy that Ben Franklin used while he was alive. Two representatives from each country to have more of an individual representation at the state level. I forgot the name of it, but it's a big sticking point for him. Yep. Mike, what Mike is talking about is the Council of Censors, and it's not that kind of a censor. Council of Censors was part of the original framework of government that was set up by William Penn when he first came to Pennsylvania. Back then, Pennsylvania was a, a sovereign nation just about, and Penn was effectively the king of Pennsylvania. He had a, the king's grant. He could do anything he wanted with it. So he set up this framework of government, and it's kind of, it operated like a trust, not so much as a government. So it, it wasn't really run by the people, but by some trustees. That was in the beginning. But what he did for going forward, he established a group called the Council of Censors, and that stayed with it too when he introduced the, the legislature. The purpose, well, let me start. The Council of Censors was elected once every seven years. They would meet for a year or two, 
And there'd be two members from each county and two members from each city. Back then there was only Philadelphia. So there weren't that many people, maybe 30 or 40 people. Its purpose was to review the acts of the legislature, anything that went on in the prior seven years. It could censure government officials. It could order impeachments, recommend the repealment of laws that violate the Constitution, in their opinion. And more importantly, they were the only body with the authority to call a convention to amend the Constitution to fix any perceived flaws. And every seven years they get together and they would cause a lot of mayhem. No surprise. Ben Franklin, a bit later than William Penn, he was a huge fan of the Council of Censors and he used it a lot. He made sure it was included in the Constitution of 1776 when Pennsylvania declared independence from Britain. Well, the legislature hated it, as you might guess. They don't want people looking over their shoulders every seven years saying, hey, here's what you did wrong and we're going to pull it out. They kept, they kept, the Council of Censors kept raining on their parade. So it's no surprise Ben Franklin died in April of 1790. The council died that very September with the Constitution of 1790. It took them less than half a year to kill Franklin's favorite piece of the Constitution. And this is what the question's about what Mike Baldwin mentioned. There's been a lot of talk about bringing it back, especially given how the Constitution is often ignored, and I want to do a whole show about that. Oh, that's going to be coming up soon. There's also some questions about the legality of the 1790 Constitution because they tried to push it through real fast after Franklin died. So that means that the council still exists, legally speaking. It may. But should we resurrect it? That's the question I hear a lot. But if I did, I predict the same thing is going to happen as if we had a convention of the states, which I talked about in episode 12. We freedom lovers, I think, would be outgunned by the professional politicians. And even if we succeeded... Politicians today aren't following the Constitution as it is. What makes you think they follow any changes that we put in there? I just see it as a, another reason to vote libertarian. Keeps coming back to that, doesn't it? You gotta vote libertarian. To quote Jim Morrison, the only solution, isn't it amazing? <laughs> so Miley Riley uh, from Childs, Pennsylvania is asking, why don't you believe the minimum wage of pay should not be raised? Milo, I never said the minimum wage should not be raised. What I said is that the minimum wage should be eliminated. Why? Because minimum wage laws are counterproductive. Let me, let me give you three clear-cut reasons why they're not productive. Reason number one, they cut off the bottom rungs of the ladder to success. Example I like to use is my, my youngest daughter. She was working at the local ice cream spot, Sprinkles. I love the place. You should go there. Great ice cream. If the minimum wage was doubled, as Governor Wolf has suggested, and as New Jersey just did recently, the odds are she wouldn't have been hired because they just can't afford it. The fact is for every 30-something who receives a $15 an hour minimum wage, two teenagers are being left jobless, people like my daughter. It eliminates opportunities for training for our youth, like I said, it cuts off the bottom rungs for the ladder of success. And that alone should be a reason to oppose it. But the second reason is the minimum wage laws force businesses to overpay for skills. And that contributes to inflation by driving up wages. That drives up prices. So it means fewer goods, fewer services, fewer jobs. Just, minimum wage laws are just bad for the economy. And the reason number three is it lowers the capital available for growth. You should see Sprinkles Ice Cream. It's a really, really nice place. Great place to go. But if they don't have the capital, they can't fix the place up. 
So it stifles the economy. There's not as much spending going on. And that hurts everyone, especially, especially the young. And of course, as a libertarian, I'll come up with a fourth reason. Government should never interfere in the free market. What do they know? It's a no-brainer in my mind. Matthew Mariello from Westchester is saying that regarding your proposal to end all parole for violent offenders during Pennsylvania's last parole moratorium in May numbers increase causing Pennsylvania to pay Michigan and Virginia to house inmates. <laughs> if you abolish offender supervision in the community, would this not increase the size of spending of the government over cheaper supervision options like parole? That's an interesting angle that Matthew's coming at. Well, before I get into the answer, let me summarize what he's quoting me, what I had said on crime. But I don't, nobody likes crime, except, of course, criminals. But there's something that we can do to reduce crime, guaranteed to reduce crime. And this is what Matthew's reacting to. A study by the Commonwealth Foundation in Harrisburg showed that 95% of all crime is committed by only 5% of the criminals. Just 5% of them. So if we eliminate parole for violent criminals, it's, it's an easy solution because that way they're safely in jail. 95% of the crime just won't have a chance to happen. I think it's insane to let these people out of prison in the first place, especially, I mean, how difficult is it to get them into jail in the first place, right? We have a convoluted, quote-unquote, justice system. I'll get more to that later. So if we eliminated parole for violent criminals, every violent criminal would serve every single day of their sentence and were guaranteed to reduce crime that way. But Matthew does have a good point, though, regarding the cost. It's going to, it is going to in, it could increase for the increased number of inmates, except this is a classic example. The motto of the Pennsylvania Project is more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. He's trying to solve the problem correctly. What is the correct problem here? If your goal is to jail as many people as possible, and he has a point, it's going to cost money. But if the problem to be solved is having a safer society, which I think is the problem that prisons solve, right now there are far too many people in jail, people who don't belong there. I've talked about this, geez, in several episodes. People who have been around for a while, they, they know that episode 12, I talked about how we're releasing murderers and rapists from our overcrowded prisons to make room for pot-smoking Grateful Dead fans. Episode 3, we talked about how some laws treat victims of sexual abuse like criminals themselves. And she, she has her own word for it. She calls them viminals. They're victims, but they're called criminals. In, <coughs> excuse me, in episode 9, I talked about how DUI checkpoints are throwing people in jail who are not drunk. They're all examples of great solutions, but they're solutions to the wrong problem. If we stopped putting innocent people in jail like that, we'd have plenty of room for these real criminals, and we'd be guaranteed to reduce crime at the same time. And they are a couple problems that I would like to solve. Randy Nafus from Monaco, Pennsylvania, is interested. I would like to know what your stance is on the Second Amendment. This is a very important issue for me, at least, and most of my family and friends. So I would like to find out straight from you. <laughs> well, this is the Pennsylvania Project. Randy, I have no stand on the Second Amendment. I'm a Pennsylvanian, and if, if I may make a suggestion, the proper question is, what is my stand on Article 1, Section 21 of the Pennsylvania Constitution? As you were taught in our fine educational system, who doesn't seem to teach the Constitution to anybody... 
We all know what it says, right? Do you know what it says? I'm looking around the room, nobody knows. For your information, what it says, Article 1, Section 21, quote, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. What is my stance on Article 1, Section 21? I have no question what that means. I went into this, I did a deep dive on this one back in episode four with our guest, Maj Touré. He's running for Philadelphia City Council as a libertarian. Well, briefly, just, just touch on some of the highlights just to be able to answer Randy better. Why would I support the right to self-defense? John Lott, a, a researcher at the University of Chicago, did a nationwide county-level study. And he found that if a woman resists an attacker, she's twice as likely to be seriously injured as if she did nothing. But if she resists with a handgun, she's half as likely to be seriously injured. And from that, I deduce that handguns are a girl's best friend. He also found out that the towns with the strongest gun control had the highest level of gun crime. There's no question, gun control kills. Now, if you don't believe a researcher from the University of Chicago and nationwide data, President Obama commissioned the CDC, Center for Disease Control, to look into it. And they found no evidence that gun restrictions reduce gun violence. They found no evidence that passage of right to carry laws increase or decrease violent crime. They also found gun turn-in programs are ineffective. And their final line, if you want to defend yourself, a gun is the best choice. So getting back to your question, what is my stance on the Second Amendment? I just don't think it goes far enough. That's why I like our Pennsylvania Constitution. Well, you know, that, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of our show. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be talking with Jeff Zick, co-founder of the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed. Available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster for the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me! I'm a Toastmaster, and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact the club nearest you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. 
The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the them portion of episode 13 of the Pennsylvania Project, Just Our Luck, where we have a host to help us showcase the political, cultural, and environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. And my guest today, as I said, he's a cultural guest with the edge of the political, Jeff Zick, co-founder of the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. He's from Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania, way up in the northeastern corner, married, father, and entrepreneur owner of the Big Yield Hydroponics in Scranton, Pennsylvania, volunteer at the My Center for Independent Living's Traditional Skills Center, owner of Zick Productions, and co-founder, my favorite part, of the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. Jeff, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Hey, thanks for having me, Ken. No, it's great to have you here, man. How long? We've known each other, what, three years now, I guess. Maybe four years. Yeah, it could be. It's been a while. I've been up there for that, the Cannabis Fest a couple of times. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a, a band, a speaker, a band, a speaker, and you put that on. Yeah, it's it's turned into a full time job. Um, <laughs> yeah, we uh, work we work on it as soon as the event is over with. Uh, we're working on it next year. Uh-huh. Yeah, it takes a lot to keep an event running like that. Wow, and this this is what fourth year? This no, this will be our sixth year. Sixth year. So yeah, I've lost count. Yep. So um, we're going to be running in between, and we used to do an annual event, and now we're going to be doing. You know, uh, an event in October, you know, too. So to kind of have a six month apart uh-huh. know, between October and April works out well. Well, no, no wonder you're winding up with a, a full time job. Well, we're trying to create something, you know, trying to create an economy around, um, you know, the, the the adult use market, you know, and and you know, coming together. Uh-huh. I I really like it because it's very very family friendly. I mean, last time we were there, what there were thousands of people. Yeah, I mean, we we draw anywhere between you know six to ten thousand people it all depends on the weather you know yeah. so it's large. man oh man and then there are tons of crafts there and some of it's cannabis related yeah i mean it's it's more of a small business market if you think uh-huh. about it i mean a lot of, a lot of people have interest in getting into the adult use market or into the cannabis market as a whole you know including small businesses so mm-hmm. um we have small businesses we have you know like last year we had international businesses we had companies from canada there you know so people are interested in coming in pennsylvania you know uh-huh. if, if our legislature is willing to move uh-huh well we're gonna have to ask about that one now how do you how do you get word for this round? You got people from Canada coming down? Yeah, I mean we're we're um, you know Canada has a great interest in the United States. Um, you got to think in Canada to reach you know say New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania is thirty million adults. Mm-hmm. You know for people in Canada to reach thirty million adults, that's a that's a pretty big broadcast. You know so uh-huh. our uh, our scope you know for most of our advertising you know stays on the East Coast here, but there's a lot of adults to reach with you know no brand loyalties. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people to reach. You know, here who are very interested in you know the economy. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. What sort of things are they bringing internationally? What are they? Uh, you know, whether it be fertilizer companies, companies who make uh, high end fertilizers for plants. Uh-huh. Um, we had you know company CX Hydro last year that sponsored our event. Um, seed companies who sell actual cannabis seeds. Uh, Crop really? King Seeds was one of our big sponsors last year, main sponsors. You know, so um, and you, you can't you can't do any of this without the seeds. So you know, isn't that illegal? Um, well, it all depends on your definition of illegal. You know, so <laughs> don't get me started about the justice system, quote unquote. Yep, I mean uh, the seed is the most basic form of uh, humanity. You know, and every seed 
here on earth shouldn't be illegal you know they're, they're, seed seed possession itself should never be illegal and the more they do the more companies will come in and control that seed uh-huh. you know, so. I'm not sure I heard an answer there how do you get away with that um we do we do I mean how do people I mean if it wasn't what? for if it wasn't for us standing up with cannabis if we all just did what we were told there would be no market right now to have cannabis right yeah you know so it takes a little bit of a you know you know activism I guess or, or advocacy in order to you know make sure these markets happen uh-huh well, you know, we had one of your vendors, Sean Patrick House. He does the Hempsels. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't remember. Episode 10, I think it was. And I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. But he was a guest on here, and he was talking about hemp farming in Pennsylvania, things like that. But he didn't mention he didn't mention the Cannabis Fest. Yeah, he's a, he's a, one of our vendors. You know, from day one, I think he's been involved with our event. Um, he makes great, great product, and it's from cannabis, you know, um, whether it be hemp or, you know, full THC cannabis, it's all the same plant, you uh-huh. know, so it's a beautiful thing to see him out there doing that and, uh, you know, kind of breaking through that culture of selling it in Wegmans and places yeah. like this, you know. Yeah, he has dedicated his life to this. I've known Sean now for probably 20 years, and you know, by the way, you are only the second person I've had on the show who I knew before you appeared here as a guest. He was the first that's cool. Yeah, he has a he has a he has a strong history of being uh, an yeah. advocate for hemp and uh, you know freedoms here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, he's made a living of it. In fact, when we left here last time, he loaded Mark and I down with pencils. Oh, he will. He will too. He'll <laughs> make sure that you know he'll say you, you don't have any need for pencils by the time he gets done with them. Yeah, really. And, you know, it's it's sad because, well, I guess it's okay. I saved them. Uh, I had some in the freezer, mm. and last night I came home from work and our refrigerator has died. And fortunately, it was still cold in there. I had ice in there. The ice was still in there, but it was it was dying, and I was able to move everything. I have a 1940s-era refrigerator in the cellar, and, of course, that's still chugging along. Here it is, what, 70 years later. Right. So it saved my Hempsel supply. What a, what I have an air conditioner from 1986, though. Uh-huh. That's funny. It works, it works better than any air conditioner I've ever bought. <laughs> and, you know, and along the same lines, when my wife and I got married back in 1977, a long time ago, well, first thing we got was an air conditioner. We still use that same window air conditioner today. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, but it, it works. It's ice cold. I have, I have newer ones, but... You know. Uh-huh. Yeah, there are a lot of them. But we're, we're getting way off track here. I'm not sure if you could... Can you run air conditioners off of hemp? I'm not sure. Sean would probably uh, say yes. The weather finally broke, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now, I would want to back up and talk about something you meant we touched on, and that was the, the hassles from the man. Do they? Um, generally, no. I mean, when it comes down to local politics, uh, you know, they, we're, we're, we're accepted. You know, we're accepted by all the people, you know, and uh, they understand that our event is part of the culture change and that, you know, we're, we're trying to do the right thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, now, the state, on the other hand, you know, they have, you know, originally they didn't really have too much of a say in our event, and they really still don't have too much of a say in our event, um, but they do have a say over some of the... Uh, you know, some of the corporate licensed uh, entities that take involved, you know, that might be involved in our event have to ask permission. And the state, you know, uh-huh. they uh, they like to, I don't, I don't know what the reasoning is for denying them or not uh-huh. allowing them to participate in our event, but um, they, they seem to do this often. You know, just like picking up trash alongside the highway, us going out and trying to get it adopted the highway. We actually adopted a highway once, picked up all the trash, uh-huh. you know, and... nice. Uh, Harrisburg wrote us a letter about two weeks later stating that we uh, can no longer adopt the highway so uh, because of the word cannabis. Oh, man. 
you know, so this is the same state, though, that's selling medical cannabis out of dispensaries. So yeah, good luck. How does that make sense? Well, you have to have a state-approved disease. And I've met a lot of people at Cannabis Fest. I'm trying to think of her name. Tanya? And same thing. She has something, but it's not on the approved list. And it does wonderful things for her. Yeah. And my brother, was he had Hodgkin's disease. He's okay now. It was a while ago. And the doctor, just before the medical cannabis was there, he said, the best thing I could tell you to do is go out on the corner and cop some pot. Yep. You know, pot laws made my brother a criminal. Yep, just don't get caught. Yeah. Now, why are we persecuting sick people? You know, it's because they built a whole industry around it. You know, there's there's many, many invested the, in it. The um, persecution industry? Yeah. Oh, man. I think yeah, I'm going mean, to quote you I on mean, that. You, you got you to think there's judges that are signed up into treatment programs. Now, they're not really sending you to jail. They're sending you to those treatment programs that, you know, that they're – you know, uh-huh. well invested in, you know, so it's, it's, and, and, and we're, and we're filling up the stoners, I should call it, you know, cannabis users are being, you know, thrown into the same system with all these other, you know, people who have, you know, some heavy duty problems and they're not getting the resources that they need. Huh. And you know, I just realized you're from Scranton. That's the kids for cash. Yeah. Cash well, experience Scranton is very well known for that. Um, you yeah, know, you judges sending, sentencing kids to their own private personal institutions to make money. Yep. Yep, and they eventually, and they eventually never really see too much of you know the time to easily get out. You know, like Chivarella, I think he, I think he's out now today. Uh-huh. You know, after doing all that, he ruined, he ruined people's lives for a good 10, 12 years. That that uh, scheme went on. You know, nobody really called him out on it. Geez, you know, somebody should do a rant about our quote unquote justice system. Yeah. You know, I can't wait for something like that to happen. What if it's going to happen in another half an hour or something like that? Not even that. But but they leave you alone. They're not. <laughs> Yeah, oh. I mean, for the most part, the the cities, the <coughs> cities leave us alone. We do all, you know, we go through the licensing. We do everything the way we should be, you mm-hmm. know, the way it's supposed to be done. Um, and, you know, for the most part, we're left alone. You know, will one of these days, will they come in and start, you know, I doubt it. You know, it would be just bad optics for them to do that, you know, uh-huh. when, when we have you know have a proven track record of being, a, mm-hmm. you know, decent people. I can understand them coming down on the corporations. And this is something we talked about last episode, episode 12 about how corporations are artificial people with limitation of liability and everything. But the government can say anything they want. They could say, you know, get up and dance, lay down, go collect trash, as you were saying. So I'm not surprised that they're taking advantage of that. Well, it's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're, you're able to get away with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a great thing, and we hope to, uh, you know, continue it and, uh, you know, break that stigma, you know, that you know, we, we've had five years, and, now, you know, it's an animal-friendly event, too. You can bring your leash pets yeah, and there's it. not even one dog fight you know so i mean that's that's amazing to get ten thousand people in one area over five years and never have one real incidence you know uh-huh. that's because we all kind of appreciate being uh, given the land to do that and the option you know to mm-hmm. to be out there well you know since you got your finger on the pulse of the cannabis pulse when are we going to get it in pennsylvania or yeah. national no what I mean, there's, there's, there's two the, things going this on this is the pennsylvania here. project all right you know? so we're going to start with pennsylvania so pennsylvania we're um in all reality, two to three years from now. Really? Yeah. I That's mean, soon. After 2022, you know, um, we don't have uh, any uh, of the GOP currently at this point that are uh, that are even uh, close to being on our, our side for adult use legalization. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe on decriminalization, we might have a quarter of the GOP, you know, um, and then even on the Democrat side, you only have a certain amount. It seems like all the libertarians and, um, you know, they're, they're all on our side. You know, yeah, but there sure. are, but there, yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a GOP issue at this point. You know, uh-huh. the reason why they're standing up against this issue when, 
you know, you, you pull society and it's, and it's straight across the board that it's not, you know, it's not one sector of society that disagrees, you know. So. Uh -huh. Well, you know, I've seen it happen. Our daughter, eldest daughter, who just gave us a granddaughter, God bless her, yeah. last Congratulations. Week. Thank you very much. Uh, they legalized it, recreational in Washington State and in Seattle. And she, she's not a, not a smoker. And at first she was like, oh, I don't know about this. This doesn't sound good and everything like that. And, and we were out there the first year when it was legal. And it was still had some rough edges. But there was this thing driving around Center City. There's a hole in their law that says you're allowed to smoke in your home, in your car, but not outside. So somebody says, fine. They got themselves an old Greyhound bus, painted it green, and called it the Cannabus. Mm -hmm. And they just drive around town. People get on, they get off, and they get off. This guy sells munchies. But I was just there recently, and I said, so how's the marijuana thing here going? She goes, yeah, it's okay. So after the initial, you know, negative reaction to it, it's like, yeah, the world didn't end. Yeah, and a lot of people base their numbers off of Colorado. You know, you got to think Colorado was the first to do it. They were the mecca. Everybody went there, you know, originally, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, and, and if you look at Colorado's numbers initially, they had some spikes you know, but as those, you know, as the years went down, everything kind of leveled out and came down. Now states, now Pennsylvania is not going to be one of those states that we're going to have a dramatic change here as soon as legalization happens. It's going to be, it's going to be, you know, rather benign compared to what everybody thinks it's going to be, except we're going to make a lot of tax money. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you know, I actually said that when I was running for governor back in 2002, that if we legalized it, we could have eliminated property taxes if we just kept the street price the same. But... Nobody, I didn't get elected, so it didn't happen. My guest today, Jeff Zick, co-founder of the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival, and you're listening to The Pennsylvania Project. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and we'll be right back with Jeff right after this information. Do you need a state inspection, emission testing, tires, brakes, exhaust, suspension work, or routine factory scheduled maintenance? For all of your automotive service needs, visit Wallace Auto Service at 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Wallace Auto even has a Phillips 66 gas station where you can fill up at a great low price. Check out Wallace Auto online at wallaceautoservice.com or call them at 610-658-9000. For over 16 years, Wallace Auto Service has been proud to serve the Bryn Mawr, Haverford area. Stop in, say hello, and fill up your tank at Wallace Great Low Prices. That's Wallace Auto Service and Philip 66 Gas Station at 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, or give them a call at 610-658-9000. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add to that sleeve you started or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C and his team of artists at Iron Wool Tattoo Club in Glenside, Pennsylvania at the top of your list. The team at Ironwell has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That is 267-8-WE-ROCK or visit them on Instagram 
at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Are you arranging your finances in the most tax-efficient way possible? Call Freedom Financial Tax at 866-401-1090 today to find out. At Freedom Financial Tax, we use creative tax solutions like infinite banking to make sure you're keeping as much of your hard-earned money as possible. Let Freedom Financial Tax help you out with comprehensive tax plan. Call Freedom Financial Tax now at 866-401-1090. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take a headache out to process. Contact him at stephenverley.com. That is Stephen with a V. W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and we're back with episode 13 of the Pennsylvania Project, and we're still here with our guest, Jeff Zick, co-founder of the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. And we talked a lot about the Cannabis Fest. It, there was a, a question that only got half answered, and that was, well, I was asking, when is legalization coming? And you said, for the state, two, three years. Oh, man, that would be wonderful. What about, what about the country? Is that going to beat the state? Yeah, that's going to beat our state. My, my guess, you know, I'm just guessing here, but um, yeah, our, our state legislature, I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it. You know, it, it could it could flop over enough where we get enough votes, you know. But I just don't see us having enough votes right now unless we uh, you do a lot of work here. And you know, I, I think that uh, nationally it's going to go before, and in Pennsylvania we'll feel comfortable in making those decisions on our own. You know, mm-hmm. once nationally it goes, we'll see. Yeah, we're working. We're yeah. working hard. There's you know, a lot I mean, of people. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. Um, there's a decriminalization bill out there right now, and we're not even sure if that's going to see the light of day again either. You know that that was passed last session, but as you know, Pennsylvania works in two-year sessions. You know, so yep. and that was right at the end of the two years, and it's yep. got to start all over. It came back as I think House Bill uh, 123 or 132. Uh, the old numbers I have are 350 Senate Bill 350 and House Bill 50. Those are the legalization bills. Some. Um, Oh, you're talking about a decriminalization? Yep, decriminalization. But not, get, for, for less than 30, 30 grams of uh, you know, flour and you know, a certain amount of concentrates, there would just be a fine process and a summary offense compared to a criminal citation you know, that they give you right now. It would give the officers an option of giving you – you know how options work with cops. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I don't want that. Don't we have the right to keep and bear plants? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a it's a God given right, you know, or whatever you'd want to consider it. Um, it it's 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 nothing uh-huh. that um, and and it's completely unconstitutional to keep us from yeah. that plant. You yeah, know, so. and you know, it, you say it's God given. I would say in some cases it's Jeff given. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I've been up there at the Big Yield Hydroponics, and you have a sign in the window, the hydroponics shop, saying medical cannabis cards available here. You do that. Yeah, we do. We uh we have an indoor growing shop. Um, we teach people how to grow their own fruits, vegetables, herb. Um, along with it, we do do free sign ups for cards. So we'll uh, 
we'll help you get signed into the Department of Health program in order to get you down the road, you know, to a doctor to to obtain your card. But uh, the state doesn't make it very easy at all to do this well, process. That was my and next question. That, that's why we do it. You know, um, it, 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 it's it's ridiculous that you have to have a, first of all, you have to have a laptop to do it. You can't do it on your cell phone. I mean, we're in 2019, you know, and you can't, <laughs> oh, the state still doesn't figure this out. But um, so you first of all have to have a laptop and then you have to have the, you know, extreme knowledge to go through the program um it's just it's just untenable for some you know elderly and uh some you know low-income people hmm. so they come directly to our store we'll spend 20 minutes you know working with them getting on their you know where they got to go to get their card and explaining everything they need to know about the program well i'll say it again why are we persecuting sick people i don't know and, uh, and then and then you know but to have the department of health to come back on us you know and you know it, it's kind of disheartening that we're all doing all this work and then at the same time you know, my wife's a caregiver. She uh, she gets called by the medical office of medical marijuana personally to, to go take care of sick patients who are, uh, you know, most of the time on the end of their life. Wow. You know, and, you know, but they won't allow the growers and processors to attend our event. You know, so it just makes zero sense at all, you know, like how they're <laughs> using us on one end and then on the other. They're, they're denying us for, you know, pretty much no reason at all. Really? You know, so. And Mandy's sitting right here, too. Very good job. Thank you very much. You're making life good for us all, especially for the sick people. She's a she's a saint, you know, and uh, and so she's she's uh we've done over two hundred fifty people, you know, gotten them into the program within the last year. Two hundred fifty. That's a lot of faces to see, you know, you know. It's at one a day on average, one every work day. It's close, you know. So we do we do group group uh, things too. So some of them come in chunks, but yeah, we yeah. see we see at least you know two or three people be coming in, you know, looking for access into the system or information. Uh-huh. Um, they can't go to a dispensary and get that information because the state prohibits it. The state prohibits information about their own program. Uh, oh come on! Not, not on site. You can they they can that you have to leave site in order to give information. You have to have permission in order to do that. Oh man! So it, it's very difficult. Um, a lot of people go to the dispensary looking how to get into the program, and sometimes they can hand them a piece of paper, you know, just kind of explaining on how to get in. But most part, you know, our local dispensary sends them down to our store. You know, just go down there; they'll explain the program to you, get you into the system. That way, they can get into a dispensary. Uh huh. And for people who may be listening up there, uh, where is Big Yield Hydroponics? Uh, we're on 127 West Market Street in uh, North Scranton. Uh-huh. Nice, uh, nice little neighborhood, you know. It's, uh, it's just out of town. I have been there. Yeah. Now, you said 250 people, and they come in chunks? And you do classes? What, what is it? Well, we do classes, too. But uh, we, we either do, uh, you know, for the most part, we're there seven days a week. So anybody can walk in during our normal business hours and get the service from us. Um, uh, but for the most part, we did, we started off doing, you know, group signups, you know, where we'd have like, you know, a good two mm-hmm. or three hours where we'd have people come after our hours, store hours to come sign mm-hmm. up, you know, so. How did you get permission to do this? I mean, this um, we don't, we don't need permission to do this. This is, this is <laughs> uh, community service. Head. It's community service at its best. You That's know, um, we, we know a lot about the law. We understand, you know, we understand we, you know, the, there's, Lots of doctors on the list, but there's only certain doctors that are taking new patients. You know, certain uh-huh. doctors are only, you know, certain doctors are charging $600, certain doctors are charging $200. So we make sure we send the people, you know, exactly where they need to go. Some doctors are now charging $100, you know. So oh, it, that's great. It's good to see, you know, the cost come down as we go. But there's certain doctors out there ripping people off, too. So. Uh-huh. so you're finding some guardian angels standing right there alongside of you. Yeah, pretty much, you know. Who else might be an unsung hero? Um, for what? Well, to help you with what you're doing there. I mean, first of all, the cop, you, you didn't need a permit. No. It's very libertarian, I approve. The 
doctors are lowering their prices over and over and over again. You guys are just doing it out of the goodness of your heart. Yeah, there's a lot of people in Pennsylvania doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Um, we're not looking to really make any money in this industry. We're looking to, you know, get freedom. You know, and, and then it, once uh-huh. it, when freedom comes along, there's going to be lots of money making opportunities. <laughs> yeah, but, but we have to get there first. You know, and that's the that's the number one key is you know just being decent people and getting across that finish line. Uh huh. You sound like a libertarian. Yeah, I have, I'm a libertarian at heart for sure. Uh-huh. You know, that, that's that, that's what it comes up. But I'm playing in a system. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, that system doesn't allow fair play right. at all. You know, and uh, it's not a fair conversation. Um, maybe it will be one of these days, but we have lots of uphills, lots of uphill fights to fight. Yep. Well, as a libertarian, I believe you have the right to live your life your own way without interference, provided you respect the rights and property of others. Right. No, I agree. Golden rule on a political level. If you can follow that, you know, you'll you'll, you'll get along with just about anybody. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, it'll 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 be yeah. a peaceful world. You know, yeah. if, that, if that was the case, but you know. I don't think I don't think that uh, it's geared to be that way. I think it's geared to be, uh, you know, that you're subservient to a system that you that you uh, that you're afraid to question that authority, that you're afraid to step out of the box, uh-huh. you know. And they keep you that way. That way, you know, their control, you know, and control is okay because you don't want a crazy society. Right. But, we don't. No anarchy. But, law, but laws don't make sense. You know, some of the laws don't make sense at all, and we need to fix them. You know, especially the cannabis laws. Uh, there's people doing life sentences federally for cannabis you know not in our state nobody's doing state time life for cannabis they're doing state for you know for cannabis but not life but federally there's people doing life sentences just for cannabis i know and it's, it's insane and we're yeah. paying for that what's it cost for a, a prison cell in pennsylvania is about forty thousand dollars a year yeah somewhere between and, thirty and forty thousand dollars and i mentioned before philadelphia has prison caps and there as i like to say releasing murders and rapists to make room for pot smoking grateful dead fans yep and people say don't say grateful dead it ages you well, you know, I'm not really a dead fan. What am I going to say? Snoop Doggy Dog? Yeah, I know, right? Definitely not a Snoop fan. <laughs> I don't know. He's going around right now touring, too. So Is he? Yeah. Willie? Maybe, maybe he can play Cannabis Festival, right? You going to have him come up? Yeah, right. How about how about Willie? What's his name? Willie, oh, yeah, Willie uh, Nelson. Yeah. Yeah, no, we have, you know, we have Willie... Pezo coming and playing for us, you know, so that's uh-huh. kind of cool, you know, but it's, no Willie Nelson. I, I think it might ruin the vibe, too, because if he showed up, you might have... It's be too big, yeah. you know, imagine about it. It's a free event, you know, if anybody uh-huh. doesn't know, our event's always free to the public, you yeah. know, and uh, so, I mean, it could be 10,000 people, it could be 100,000 people, you know, bringing Willie Nelson, it's 100,000 yeah. people, and your bills go up to the rope, too, so... Yeah, it just, it just dam- damaged the whole thing, no, forget, forget Willie. We'll bring Willie to Pennsylvania when we legalize. There you go, yeah. and, you know, and I think he would come to celebrate with the rest of us for that one, too. Absolutely. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, our, uh, our goal, you know, at the end of the day, really, is I think we're going to go to, uh, you know, the Pocono Raceway or something big, you know, oh, something yeah. really big, you know, if we have 200,000 people on a weekend, that's a lot of people, you uh-huh. know, and this uh, cannabis movement, it's, you know, it, it could it could bring that much people to an event, you know, so it'd be, it'd be great so to land too. there. Now, is there anybody else in Pennsylvania doing anything similar? Um, yeah, there are medical events, um, things going no, on. No, 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 no. Uh, nobody, talk about a party like you're having. No, I mean, not, not, not. Quite, you know, I think our, our event's very unique in that in that uh, manner. That it's just not us. It's it's uh, we have we have a team and we all work together and we make sure all year long that we can bring this and, uh-huh. and we can build it. And it's starting to it's starting to build into a large culture that uh, it, it's it's nice to have around. You know, everybody looks forward to coming mm-hmm. and seeing each other. So when when the day comes, whether it's one year, two years, or three years, and Pennsylvania finally turns into a free state. You're the you're the person. You're the one who's leading the parade. Who's going to throw that party at the at the Pocono Raceway? It's going to be the official breaking of the ice 
to welcome Pennsylvania to freedom. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who want to come. You know, know, Pennsylvania, yeah, you have what? How many people in Pennsylvania? 12 million. 12 million. Yeah, yeah. 8 Only. million adults. Yeah. You know, you got to think, even if you get 10% of those 8 million adults, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. We'd you know, fill up so. that raceway and then so. Yeah, so it'd be nice. Good grief. Jeff, we're running out of time, and I always complain this always goes too quick, you know? But I expect to be at the next Cannabis Fest, and it's usually on April 20th, 420 or thereabouts. So regardless of when you're listening to this podcast, mark your calendar for the next nearest 420. And it's at Nayog Park, N-A-Y-A-U-G, N-E-Y-A-A-U-G. Yeah, Nayog, old um, Indian word for uh, Roaring Brook. Nice. So it's a national uh, historic site, too. Um, it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. It's got a great gazebo in there. And you guys got great bands. And it's a good time. And it gave me an opportunity to meet you in the first place. Jeff, do you want to get anything else in? Well, you know, mention Big Yield Hydroponics again? Yeah, something? I mean, anybody's welcome to come to our store in Scranton uh, learn a little bit about gardening. Uh, Big Yield Hydroponics, we're at 127 West Market Street. And by all means, please come to uh, the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival, our fall event and our spring event. Um, it's free to the public and anybody's welcome. Excellent. Jeff, thank you. That about wraps it up for the them portion of the show. Thanks again to my guest, Jeff Zick, co-founder of the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. His very quiet wife, Mandy, who smiles anyway. Thank you for appearing on the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, the quote-unquote justice system. The following is commercial announcement. Hey, Rafiga, how's it going? Eh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? So what about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax. I have better things to do than figuring out the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Well, then you need Amendment 16. Hey, it's the 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in this first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take off all the taxes? All the forms? Yep, and they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course at amendment16.com with 16 spelled out amendment s-i-x-t-e-e-n.com one call does it all you have been a registered libertarian for years voted for libertarians even longer and lived by libertarian principles all your life now it's time to take the next step and become a dues paying the libertarian party of pennsylvania Keep abreast of the march towards liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with joining the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only 20 of years. So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. 
Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 13 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. You know what sticks in my craw? The quote-unquote justice system. And I have to put the quotes around it, because you know what put this fresh in my mind? Episode 12, the last episode, we had an attorney on as the guest. And we had a conversation about several aspects of the justice system and some of the challenges, a lot of challenges, as a matter of fact. And me, you know, I'm the idealistic dreamer. I was hoping we could find some solutions. And this is the Pennsylvania Project, after all. We are all about solutions. But when it comes to that quote-unquote justice system, what's the problem to be solved? I mean, yeah, right. How many problems are there? There's so many problems. Where are we going to begin? Good grief. One of the things we talked about last week was the incredibly high price for legal help. I mean, what's it cost to hire a lawyer? It's it's stupid. I I took a look on the web. $200, $300, $400, $500 an hour. An hour. For what? What are you buying with that kind of money? And our guest, he says, yeah, my dad asked me that question. Why are lawyers so expensive? And the analogy he was using, he said it's like being a mechanic because a mechanic has to constantly be buying new tools, learning the new cars, getting new electronic equipment, stuff like that. Stuff like that. He says it's the same way with lawyers. They need to study new cases. There are new laws being passed. You know, and granted, I understand how everybody has to keep up on their trade, but I talked to my mechanic tonight. I'm getting my car inspected. He is not charging me $500 an hour. You know, where does that money go to? Think about it. There's, what, 2,000 work hours in a year, plus or minus a little bit? You do the math. Multiply it out. 500? That's a million dollars a year. A million dollars a year. Look, let's say he spends half of the year on education. That still leaves him a half a million dollars a year. I mean, is he spending half of his year on education? Let's cut him a break and say he spends 10, 11 months on his education. He only does real work for a month or so every year. Do the math. It's still $100,000 for the whole year's worth of effort that he's getting there. Is it me or does that seem excessive? It's a little bit high. But, you know, I'm a libertarian. I believe you have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided only that you respect the rights and property of others. That means he can charge what he wants, right? Yeah, but you see, there's a secondary issue here. We the citizens. Because we're the ones who have to pay those crazy rates. But, you know, who can afford it? You can't afford that kind of money. You know? To their credit, they, they have given us some band-aids as a couple. And then there's, the, like, for example, the infamous, infamous, I can talk, Miranda warning. If you cannot provide an attorney, one will be provided for you. Well, cut me a break. How generous these people are. Because now it's the taxpayers who are on the hook for that $500 an hour. It doesn't really change anything. It sounds like being a lawyer is a subsidized industry, subsidized by government. It's a job bill for lawyers, jobs bill. Good grief. But then you got to remember, they're in court. It's government. They are doing government work. And there are $500 toilet seats. Not meaning to make the analogy there, but $500 hammers or whatever you want to call them. But even with that, it's almost impossible to get a court-appointed lawyer. You need to be indigent. you got to be broke. Uh, otherwise... The judge is going to say, no, no, you have some money. You have a job. you got to pay for this guy. Get your $500 an hour. still the same issue. 
Why are we paying this guy $500 an hour? You know what the fallout from this is? It means they have effectively barred a regular citizen from having any access to the justice system. Quote on, so I say, quote, unquote. The, the lawyers have priced us out of the market. We, we just can't do it. If we have a problem, it's like, oh, no. We hear from a lawyer, from somebody else's lawyer, oh, no. Good grief. And, you know, uh, to my mind, it sounds unconstitutional. I've read the Pennsylvania Constitution. Of course, they don't teach it in schools. Article 1, Section 13, part of our Declaration of Rights. It says, no excessive fines. $500 an hour is not excessive? Sounds pretty excessive to me. Right away, they say, oh, no, that's not a fine. That's what we bill you. Yeah, right. Sounds like a lawyer mincing words at you, you know? What does is mean? What does fine mean? If I'm out $500 an hour, I'm out $500 an hour. I shouldn't have to do this. And it's not just the cost. Think about it. What's, what problem are you solving by hiring a lawyer in the first place? Regardless of the price, you know, $5 an hour, $5,000 an hour, it doesn't matter. The reason why you're doing it is because that is the only way that we can get access to the, to the justice system, quote-unquote justice system, because we need that lawyer. Can you do it yourself? You know, let's go back to the mechanic analogy. You know, a lot of people do their own car repairs. They could do simple things like brakes, tires. In fact, I'm real proud of my middle daughter. She's, she's a real motorhead. She can do all that kind of stuff, change oil, do the filters and all that stuff. You can imagine fixing your car. I, I still do a lot. And there's some things you can't do. But can you imagine going into court and defending yourself? Do you understand the rules that go on there? The preliminary hearings, the injunctions, the interlocutory appeals, and all these other words? They've taken it, they made it so complicated that you have to pay $500 an hour because you have no other choice. It's either that or don't go to court. And, of course, they, they even have their, their own cliché about the whole thing. He who represents himself has a fool for a client. Have you heard that? Do you know who said that? A lawyer. No question about it. Advertising himself. Do you know which lawyer said that? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. He emancipated the slaves. But what sort of slavery has he delivered the rest of us into? Him, lawyers, judicial system, the judges. Oh, good grief. I'm only warming up. You know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, we're big on solutions, real big. But I keep coming up at, at a loss. How do, we, how do we turn this around? I mean, short of a revolution, dude, I'm calling on our listeners here. Do you guys have any girls, whatever, do you have any solutions to all this? How can we take the quotes off of our quote-unquote criminal justice system, our regular justice system? How can we take it back? Send, it, send your ideas to me. Go to PennsylvaniaProject.com. Drop it in there. And I want to find out, can we free we the people from them the lawyers and take back our quote-unquote judicial system? And you know, if you did, if you tried to practice law yourself, it's illegal. They'll throw you in jail for it. It's a monopoly. I'm going to have to stop right there. I could go on more and more. Let's leave it at that. Get in touch with me if you have a solution. I'd love to hear it. On that sad note, let's wrap it up for Amendment, 
for episode 13 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, whether it's about the quote-unquote justice system or not, or anything at all, you can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and you can hear us there, too. You can hear us on iTunes, other popular podcast providers. We're all over the web these days. Hey, we're up to episode 13. We're doing great. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at 10 a.m. every Saturday at 8.60 a.m. in Philadelphia, and released as a podcast every Tuesday morning at PennsylvaniaProject.com. I'd like to thank our webmaster, Stephen Worley, marketing guru, Connor Dragotis, our featured Toastmaster narrator from Jeff Drexel University Toastmasters, Rafiga Imanova. Did I get that right? There you go. She's nodding. And somebody that I should have been crediting all along, who I didn't, Brett Kronberger, our radio producer. Our marketing guru, Connor Dragotis. I said it already. (laughs) Our keyboard wizard, Joe the Pag. Executive producer who didn't cough today, Mark Bazzacco. And me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and I can't say it enough. More important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.